Hi, everybody. Welcome to Unrestricted, the podcast that interviews noted public figures that have now returned to a more private life. My name is Steve Savitsky, president of B'nai Tzion Foundation, former president and chairman of many Jewish organizations. The people you're about to meet have great wisdom and experience. They were all leaders in the Jewish world and have much to share, unrestricted, with our listening audience. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Unrestricted. And today I have a very old friend of mine, Rabbi Pesach Lerner. Rabbi Pesach Lerner, everybody knows him. First of all, I love the name Pesach. I'm not even going to ask him at the end when I do my lightning round. I always ask, what's your favorite Chag? I'm not even going to ask. I know it's going to be Pesach. But any event, Pesach, uh, the former EVP of the National Council of the Young Israel, former president of the CJV, and the founder and chairman of Eretz HaKodesh, party, which is now a part of the WZO, and we will certainly get into that. Good day, Rabbi Lerner. How are you? Baruch Hashem. Shalom Aleichem. Now, are you living in Israel these days? That's what people think. I'm uh, living good part, most of the year in Farakway. I spend the Chagim in Yerushalayim, Baruch Hashem, and I'm usually in Eretz Israel four or five days every other month, if not more, depending on when my Hevra and they to sort of tell me I have to come. I got you. That's funny, because I actually thought you lived in Israel. Now, I didn't realize that you're still in Farakway. I don't run into you that much anymore. I used to see you in the bagel store. I don't know. Maybe maybe I don't go there anymore. I don't know. I'm not sure. So how are you? How are you doing? Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Busy. Thank God. I know you're busy because you're always busy. You're one of those people that never, ever stops. You know, the idea of the program Un- Unrestricted was to talk to people who were formers, you know. But you are a former and a current. But but you were, you qualify because you're two you're two formers. In any event, let's go back a little bit and let's talk about the National Council of the Young Israel, of which you were the executive EVP for over twenty years, I think, if I'm right. So how how is the Young Israel doing these days? Okay, as you can well appreciate, when I left Young Israel, after twenty plus years of a positive experience. I hope for me and for everybody else. I agreed with the people at Young Israel that I would let them go their way. I would go my way. I would be available for any consultation, any help I can give them. But I would uh, move on. So with your permission, I I will not answer that question because uh, I'm not involved. Obviously, I have my opinions and friends, but uh, I I leave that up to the current administration Okay, very good. Okay, we'll go on. But I do want to talk about one thing, which, of course, there were many things you accomplished, and I know it well, because I was president of the OU during the time you were there, and so we we interfaced a lot. But there's certainly one thing which stands out, and that's your quest to make sure that Jonathan Pollard was released and then eventually freed, uh, and you did more for him than probably anybody else that I know personally. I mean, I don't want to get in with other people what they did, but I want to first give you a tremendous yashikoach for what you did for Jonathan Pollard, and we all appreciate it. Let's move on to the CJV. Like, I'm trying to always understand what is the CJV and whether most of the members initially members of the RCA. Wait, wait, wait. Hey, you're getting into unrestricted politics. Oh, I'm no, sorry. No, let me tell you what it was. No, 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 it's okay. Yeah, we both passed all that. The Coalition for Jewish Values was started, I don't know, five, six years ago by a few rabbis 
who we knew each other and we were active in our own way. We'll go through the names in a second if you want. And every time you read a Jewish value, a Jewish issue, Jewish tradition in the New York Times, Jewish Week, The Forward, and a bunch of others, secular and Jewish, you'd have to sit down and figure out what Judaism they're talking about, what tradition they're talking about. Is it more than five years old, two years old? The people they were quoting were, do I say Amharatzim, who didn't too much know about Judaism? Whether it was in Jewish values, Jewish morals, or Israel. You could talk about whether Palestinian rights is a Torah obligation, or you can talk about abortion, or et cetera, et cetera. So a couple of us got together, and we said, we kind of just got to stop. And we created a coalition for Jewish values. Okay, I was founding president with the direct manager, director, or executive vice president, Rabbi Yaakov Menken, who Rabbi Yaakov Menken is, uh, is, is known in the community. He's a Princeton grad. He writes beautifully. And we put together a small group of five or six of us and said, okay, we're going to start. And we started commenting on when people said Jewish values and Jewish tradition and mitzvahs, we kind of commented, we disagree. There's no tradition to that. It's against Jewish values. And faster than we ever thought, we were being called upon by the media and by congressional officers to get a phone call is, why am I being called an anti-Semite? What did I say? And we asked you, who called you an anti-Semite? They said, that's the reason. You talked to the wrong person. And slowly but surely, there was a voice that we had no idea was so missing. Now, I don't want to talk bad about other organizations, but the bottom line is other organizations interact with politicians for other agendas. And sometimes they can't say what they really want to say because of other factors. And we made a decision that we're going to say what we believe is the emiss and what we believe is Jewish tradition, and we're going to speak out. And in a short period of time, three, four years, we had two and a half, three thousand rabbis who signed up as CJV members, whatever that means. It means they join us. And we had members of Congress and other newspapers and media calling upon us for our view. And our view is very often not the view of the liberal and left-leaning Jews. And it's, it's grown. I, Baruch Hashem, was involved from the beginning. We're still involved. But the time that it takes, I could no longer give it, because as we'll talk about, Eretz HaKodesh has taken up all my time. And therefore, I handed the reins over to a dear friend, Rabbi Yoel Schoenfeld. Rabbi Yoel Schoenfeld was retired recently as the rabbi of Yonghizu Kugarn Hills in Queens, after his father had it for, Father Zal had it for decades. Yoel had it for a long period of time. And uh, I said, Yoel, you're not retiring. You're just changing hats. And I said, I'm moving over and you're taking on. And Baruch Hashem, Yoel is busy. And uh, we've grown. We have uh, some of the rabbis, Rabbi Dole Fisher, Rabbi Stephen Przansky, two of former attorneys, Rabbi Zev Mason, St. Louis, another, Rabbi Avram Gordimer, myself, Rabbi Moshe Baruch Parnas. And plus, we have ambassadors throughout the, the country. Okay, we have, we have somebody now, Rabbi Jonathan Guttentag, representing Europe. He's out of Manchester, England. We're opening up in Australia. And the demand 
for what we believe is true, honest Jewish values based on Torah, based on tradition, based on more than, I don't know, two weeks being old, is something that is missing. Uh, we work with non-Jewish organizations because some of their issues are our issues. And uh, the abortion rights is not only a Jewish issue, it's a biblical issue. Okay, and there's a lot of stuff that is now in the non-Jewish world, but if we don't stop it or defend it there, it's a hop, skip, and a jump to the Jewish world. And when we support Jewish values and biblical values in the outside Jew of the Jewish community, very often they will be there to support us when it comes back to haunt us. So it's really not a political organization, correct? We try to stay out of politics unless it has a specific Jewish value cause. Obviously, we have certain opinions, but we're not, we're not going to back a certain candidate because we're not a political. We'll back the values and the, the Jewish principles and biblical principles of a candidate, but we don't usually back a specific candidate unless we go after what he or she represents versus what his opposition represents. So you're really not connected at all in Israel with any political party, correct? Correct. Not on, a, not on a CJV connection. Obviously, the individual members or the members of the executive board or whatever have their connections. And you can use your imagination. We're well connected. But uh, we kind of stay out of trying to stay out of the politics. Mm -hmm. So you never see yourself as an organization that has members and things like that. It's really more... Or is everybody who, who belongs to CJV a rabbi? Mostly. Mostly. Oh, okay. But you don't have to. So if I like CJV and I like, I, I see your press releases and I like it and I say, wow, I want to be a part of that. Could someone join? What do they do to join? Just send us an email, info at, at CJVValues and we'll, dot, dot org. We'll put them on the email list. We issue a weekly release of all the issues that need to be thought about, connected to us and not connected to us. We issue a weekly rabbi roundup that the rabbis get issues that they should be aware of. Not necessarily are they CJV items that we've talked about, but very often we'll put together items that the rabbi should be aware and then let him decide what he wants to do. No, that's good because I know people, you know, who, who see the press releases, like what you're doing and would like to know how they could become part of it. I think that's really important. Also, they can take a look at the website. CoalitionForJewishValues.org. You can sign up to receive the newsletter. We see our press releases. Good. That's really good. That's really, that's wonderful. We talked a little bit about, you know, you're talking about anti-Semitism. Could you comment a little bit about the new administration, their... their uh... National strategy to counter anti-Semitism. Correct. Tell me what your thoughts are. Well, again, this is a CJV issue, and I would suggest that you possibly have on your podcast Rabbi Schoenfeld and Rabbi Menken, it would be extremely, extremely interesting. They're both very articulate. But the point is that we did take a leading role pointing out the flaws in the national strategy to counter activism process. The strategy has two contrary definitions of anti-Semitism, one of which attempts to whitewash calling the one Jewish state illegitimate or using double standards. Okay, just can you imagine 
the fact sheet accompanying the release that the Biden administration drew up included the Council on American-Islamic Relations, CARE, an anti-Semitic organization with deep ties to Hamas. If you put them as a participant in this endeavor, it's against us before we start. CARE, right? Council on American-Islamic Relations, everyone knows it's anti-Semitic, it's, it's, it's Hamas, etc. And they're part of this endeavor that speaks for itself. So we came out strongly. There was a fact sheet that came out afterwards and the participants and who's involved and who they're asking uh, advice from and care was listed. So uh, there were a couple organizations that came out against uh, ourselves, the ZOA, members of Knesset, members of Congress. And there were other organizations that came out for with caveats and uh, I guess that's the difference between other organizations and CJV. We don't come out with foreign caveats. We came out with what we hold as the emiss and the truth. The emperor has no clothes, and we call it that way. Okay, okay. And because I was, I think I think it's confusing for a lot of people when they saw the announcements about what's going on. I think people were excited that a president of the United States and the United States government, thank God, we live in a Medina Shel Chesed, and that they still care about it compared to many other places. And then they saw organizations. I mean, I know the OU came out in support of it. Other organizations. I don't know about the National Council of Young Israel. I didn't see any press releases and maybe I missed it. But then others were against it, like you with the ZOA, etc. So it's kind of confusing uh, for the average person to understand it. So I think you clarified it a little bit so that people could really look into it a little bit more. Correct. So uh, you're always busy trying to do good things. And uh, then I read about this Eretz HaKodesh party. Happens to be that I'm on this chat, which is uh, from the WZO. And so I I just, all I read about is why they're angry about everything and so on and so forth. I'm not really sure. But I could just tell you from a personal experience that having been on the board of governors of the Jewish agency, I think for about eight or nine years, one of the organizations that I had really no connection to, I didn't enjoy the meetings at all. I never got anything out of it. I would go and sit there for two hours, and then something would be done at night. They would basically figure out what they wanted to do. Then I would go once in a while to the, to the conference in the Binyanea Uma, and I would sit there and they'd give me a flag or the stick or the wave, and I had no idea what was going on. I was happy when I was out of there because I didn't understand it. So maybe you could give some clarification. First of all, the WZO, what exactly do they do? Okay. And so on and so forth. Then let's talk about Arista Kodesh because that's important. So let me, let me go slow because... Trust me, I've been in it for three years and I'm still discovering things. Theodore Herzl, a hundred plus years ago, decided he wanted to activate the state. Okay. And he created entities that would facilitate that which needed. He created the World Zionist Organization to create, to push Zionism, to create the state, to start working on that. He created the Jewish agency to bring in people. If we're going to try to get a state, we need people to come. We need some process that we can get people into the country. He created Karen Kayemisli as well. What our, your, your listenership will know is Jewish National Fund. But for the record, the Jewish National Fund, 
okay, in America, does great work, but it's not connected to the Israeli system. They split off many years ago. And after this conversation, you'll understand why. So the Kakao, Karen Kayem Israel, but again, would be like JNF, not connected to JNF America, was responsible for purchasing land. And then there's something called Karen Yisod, which is the fundraising arm of the system outside of North America. World Zionist Organization is the umbrella and everything else is underneath. You would have thought that in 1948, when the state was created and there was a government, that this entity would merge into the government. But it didn't. You know, socialists keep organizations going and it was opportunities and you can imagine. Now, let me add here an editorial comment. As we go on, you'll understand the left and the liberals in this organization don't want Eretz HaKodesh in the system. They've taken us to the World Zionist Court a good half dozen times. So I will be careful what I say because I assume they will somehow Google me and find this podcast. So you're going to have to understand, read between the lines sometimes because there are some things I can't say. In any case, the World Zionist Organization continues. And the World Zionist Organization, I'll give you round numbers, is made up of 550 world delegates. A third of the delegates come from Knesset members. If you're a Zionist organization in Knesset, then you get delegates. On the left, the Arabs are not Zionists. And on the right, the Haredi part is unofficially Zionists. However, they define that. Then you have a third of the Delegates come from the United States of America with their elections, and the other third comes from the rest of the world where there's supposed to be elections, but usually they're backroom deals. And the way it works now is the World Zionist Organization is supposed to be, and the chairman of the World Zionist Organization, the gentleman Yaakov Chagoel, a Shomer Shabbos Jew, a fine Jew, a wonderful person, a dear friend, and thank God he's the head of the World Zionist Organization. Then you have Kakao. Kakao is a Jewish national fund. Kakao owns 20 plus percent of Israel. Their job is to purchase land, increase land, make sure that the communities in Yudav Shimron and otherwise are expanding in the Golan. Okay. Their money comes from, if you own an apartment in Israel and anybody listening owns land in Israel, you probably don't own the land rights. You own the apartment or the house or whatever it is, but you don't own the land rights. And you're paying a yearly fee, piece of the mortgage, to Kakao that owns the land rights. If somebody buys land that Kakao owns, it goes back into Kakao coffers. If somebody bought land, somebody in Europe bought land in Eretz Israel in 1940, and Rahman Islam didn't make it through the war, who owns it now? Kakao. Kakao is a very, very, very rich organization, okay? Then you have the Jewish Agency, which is partly owned by Kakao and partly by the Jewish Federations of America. And their job is Aliyah, Jewish identity, Jewish pride, Jewish identity, uh, whatever, education. And then you have, uh, so we've got World Zionist Organization, Kakao, the Jewish Agency, Karen Yusot is the fundraising arm of the rest of the world. So we've got three divisions, 
United States, the world, and Israel. They make up this five, 600 delegates. And somewhere along the line, somebody with, I don't know, I don't want to use the word foresight, hindsight, backsight, whatever, decided that some women's and igunim, international organizations, should get automatic seats. Hadassah, Wizo, Maccabeah, B'nai B'rith. Some are left, some are center, some are right. But that's what it is. So every five years there's an election. They come to the Congress every five years. And bottom line is based on the number of delegates a party has and based on the affiliations a party makes, you end up with who's in control. In the elections that were completed pre-COVID 2020, a couple of days before Purim 2020, it ended up that the nationalistic and religious camp for the first time in history had a small majority. Nef Eretz HaKodesh garnered 25 delegates. Our 25 delegates pushed the pendulum from center left to center right for the first time in history. And therefore, you all of a sudden had a little more involvement. The Irgunim got involved, the, women, the women's organizations, and they put their opinions in, which they were not elected. So I have a problem with that. But the bottom line is they softened the blow and therefore we created so that you, these organizations are a little bit center-right. I believe they need to be more center-right. And because of that, Eretz HaKodesh has a member of the directorate and we're involved in Kakao. We have an office in the WZO. I and some others sit on the board of the Jewish Agency. And as I tell everybody, we went in to Surah Meirah and Asay Tov. We went in with the brachos of Rav Chaim Kamenetsky Zatzal, Rav Geshen Edelstein Zatzal, many others in Israel and in America. We went in with the director, uh, di- director of Sur Meira Vasaitov. Our mandate is to put all these organizations back to the center. They don't have to be right, but now they're too much leading to the left, religiously, politically, nationally, in my opinion, in the opinion of others. And we're in there every day trying to push the organizations back to their mission statement, back to the middle. And we'll leave the Asay Tov alone for the moment because we're not giving out our secrets. But I can tell you that, and you and I can have a conversation offline, I can tell you that the Asay, the Surah that we're doing is immense on a daily basis. Stopping, preventing, moving things back to the right uh, we're, in, we're in Supreme Court now suing uh, the liberal organizations and the government on some things that they did. And you know me well enough. I have no busha. I'm not embarrassed who I am. And we speak out respectfully and uh, forcefully. But let me give you in a nutshell some of the assay tov. I had some, one of the guys who was in my office yesterday. I'll give you a story. It, doesn't, it sounds fairy tale, but it's it's real. Behind Hadassah Hospital in Kerem is a forest called the Jerusalem Forest. In the Jerusalem Forest is a mansion who lives in the mansion, the keeper of the forest. Kakal JNF Forest. The keeper of the forest reached, I don't know, age 70 and he retired. And there was discussion what to do with the mansion in the forest. My person 
who sits in the directorate on the, of, of Cacao, came up with a suggestion. Let's turn the mansion into a dormitory, an edifice for na'ar no share. Kids falling off. Now, I don't mean here he's less Shama Shabbos or more Shama Shabbos. Doesn't go to Minyan, goes to Minyan. I'm talking about, unfortunately, kids who are falling off from society. Those teenagers who go to sleep at 2 o'clock in the morning, get up at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'll let you fill in what they do during the day. They've lost their street kids. No place to go. And my colleague, Shmuel Litov, who sits on the directorate of Kakao on behalf of Eretz Kodesh, said, let's turn this into a place where we can educate these kids and we can busy with these kids and we can love these kids and service these kids. That was the beginning of a dream. Last Yesterday, one of my team was here and he told me they're expecting by the end of 2023 that this new Machlaka division of Na'ar Nosher, Kids of Aderach, will be servicing over 1,000 kids in over 50 locations. Now, let me give you a simple example. There's a farm ranch called Lichat Chila. And this is one of dozens that we now support. Okay? The kids, 15, 16, 17, 18-year-olds, came to the farm ranch. They have to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning because you can't herd a sheep at 2 o'clock in the afternoon in the high sun, in the, when the sun's the hottest. You got to get them out there at 6. So they got to wake up early, be ready, to herd the sheep and cattle, whatever it is, at 6 o'clock in the morning. Turn their day upside down. The first Shabbos, the owner, who's a Ben Tyra, he's a Talmud Muvak of Rabban Le Steinman's let's say, he told the guys, we're keeping Shabbos. The kitchen is open, join us, don't join us. We'd love to have you. First Shabbos, there was one. Second Shabbos, there were two. Third Shabbos, everybody came to a Shabbos table. There were young men who told me, Rabbi, I haven't fasted for Anyan Kippur in years. I fasted this year. I asked him why. What happened? He says, because you see that man? He loves me. He respects me. He gave me an opportunity. You know how much the value of the sheep and the cattle and the horses I graze every day is? He trusted me with 100, 200, 300,000 shekel of his money. No one ever did that to me before. I was able to find myself. And this is going all across Israel, picking up the kids, religious, non-religious, Jewish, and non-Jewish. But you can only imagine the, how many percentages came from the Orthodox camp. But Eretz HaKodesh, so, so you got the votes, and so you were able to, to have a, a say in what's going on. Now it's every five years. So what year are you in in the cycle now? Three? The next election is January or February, we guess, 2025. 2025. Okay. So at this point, with the success you've had and the history, I presume you'll be able to do much better in the next election, correct? We are praying because let's be honest, what happened to us is an open miracle. The fact that we're able to go from zero to 20,000, from nothing to 5% of the system, with our 5% making an impact, was nothing less than a daily miracle.
I think it's great. I think it's great because people don't understand. You know, they've heard for years. I mean, look, for years and years, every time there was an election, people would come and would say, okay, you got to vote. And if you don't vote, who knows what's going to be. And there are billions of dollars at stake and so on. People voted and never saw anything. Now, I think for the first time, once again, God willing, I know you're smart. I know you're going to figure out how to get this from the right PR point of view. But I'm just saying that now that there's real tachlis stuff that's going on, now people are going to say, okay, now it makes a difference. Now, hopefully, listen, we we know what's going on in America. We know where the Orthodox community is, and there's no question we should be supporting this. So good. I'm glad that you're bringing it up now because it's not never too early, never too early to begin a process. That's great. That's really, really wonderful. Thank you. I'm traveling the country, speaking to the rabbis and leadership, trying to educate the movers and shakers of each community. We're setting up, hope to set up people in every city, and we will go after the voters closer to the voting. There's a website which is just under construction, but it's there, erzakodesh.org, and we're spending a lot of time. We could, we have a track record, and Baruch Hashem, we're hoping to get a lot of votes, a lot of votes. We're in other countries across the world, and we are working with other like-minded groups to be sure that everybody gets the vote out. It's not just Eretz HaKodesh, it's the Sfardim and the uh, Likud and everybody else in the middle, because together we can create a, a gush, a body, that will be able to do what's good for the Jewish people, for Am Yisrael, for Eretz Yisrael, for Torah Yisrael, and stop the influence that the liberals have been putting into these organizations for the last 30 years, and this is the way they get into Israel, because there is not a strong, you know, in Israel you either dati or chiloni. You're not something in the middle. And even the chilonim are more traditional than our typical Jew in America. You know, like the statistics are 95%, 90% of Israel, the Jews get a bris milah, 90 plus percent fast on Yom Kippur of some sort, 90-some plus percent have a Pesach Seder of some sort. These numbers are much, much greater than the total numbers right. in America. Right. No, no, there's no question about it. So this is the message that you want to have everyone listen to, all the people, thank God, the, the podcast does very well. So this is a, a message, I think it's a very, very important message, one that you could never start too early, uh, to, for them to get involved and for them to understand. And I know that there'll be a lot more PR that will come out as we get closer to the elections. And I'm glad to hear that that you're doing a really great job. Because as I said, you know, someone who actually spent, you know, eight years on the board of governors of the Jewish agency, I could say, I had no idea what they did. I had no I didn't know what they were doing. I had no idea. I would only go only because I felt I had an obligation to go. But now I think maybe someone is unraveling this very mysterious organization and all the intricacies of how it's put together. It is not simple. Believe me, it is not simple because I would always ask, so wait a second. So you're part of that. They would go, no, 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 that doesn't work. I mean, so B'nai Akiva is part, no, 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 no. So it was like, no matter what I asked, I could never quite figure it out. But I'm glad we have someone smart like you who's devoting your time to get to the bottom of where there's really a way to make a difference. So I really want to thank you for that. I think it's really great. And that's why, you know, listen, you know, Rabbi Lerner, you, know, you don't stop. You know, you're, you're like indefatigable. You just keep going on and on and on. And that's good. That's wonderful because we need people out there 
who want to talk the MS, who don't care what anyone else says, but really is out there just to do what has to be done. Unfortunately, our program doesn't last that long, but I do from a personal point of view. I, maybe you listen to the podcast. I just always end it with some... I want people out there to get a little understanding of who you are as a person also. So I'm going to ask you some questions. Just give me like the first thing you could think of more or less that comes to your mind, okay? I know it's not easy. One, who is the greatest person that you have ever met? That's not an easy question, so I'll give you two answers. Okay, I'm a Talmud Muvuk of the Yeshiva Sneris in Baltimore. So let's keep it that way. I think my Rebbe, Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg, Satsang, was a unbelievable monument. He lived as if God was, not to say everyone else didn't, but he was unbelievable in his hashkafa and his lifestyle. He, God was sitting in front of him and he believed it and he acted upon it and he taught us. Okay, so in the Torah sense, in my hashkafa sense, Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg Zetzal had a major impact. But on the other hand, in my askonis, and my understanding of the achrayas for the klal, and that every Jew has to do what they can do, was Rabbi Naftali Neuberger, Rabbi Herman Neuberger of Baltimore. He was klal Yisrael. He was, I could call him, and I called him often. I remember once I called him at four o'clock Friday afternoon, and he wasn't home. And I called him at his private number in the office. I said, Rabbi, it's four o'clock, Shabbos is two hours. He goes, I have shver balabatim. I said, give me the balabatim, I'll call them. He said, not those balabatim. I have balabatim all over the world and I have to work on things. He was a man who was Klal Yisrael. Half time there Yisrael, half time Klal Yisrael. And he was a role model. He accomplished and nothing got standing in his way. So if I had to give you my Rebbe Muvoks in Torah and in Askonis, there you, there you go. Okay, that's good. How about a person that you haven't met yet that you would like to meet, if you could? Oh, it's so many. And again, I'm an, I'm an Askin, okay? If you read the Sroim of Rav Zalman Sorotskin, the Oznayim Torah, his, his Achurayas for the cloud. Besides his guidance and everything else, his achrayas for the klal is permeates his svarim, and I guess that's what I tend to. So I'd love to have a conversation. There's so many I could ask, but he'd love to have a conversation. Okay, what about the greatest leader you ever met? The greatest leader, someone who was in the forefront, someone who cared, probably Moshe Shear, Moshe Shear from the inside. On a personal level, on a national level, on the achrayas, his ability to speak, his ability to, to influence others, to affect others. I think, uh, again, you said what comes to mind first. Okay, Ramosha Shir. How about the most intimidating person you ever met? Probably Eric Sharon. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, I could get that. That's, that's for sure. Now, what about on Shabbos? What's your favorite Shabbos Miris? Right? Right. We're asking Kaddish Baruch Hu to take us out of the lion's mouth. I have a minig. I can't tell you where I picked it up. I sing that zemmer, and then I go back and I repeat that those phrases. Because one's a, one's a, a zmiros and one's a tefillah. Kaddish Baruch Hu should take care of Kal Yisrael. Take us out of the lion's, right, lion's mouth. It's a feel of what's going on in the world today. We need that extra, extra, extra ounce 
of protection. A Kodesh Baruch is protecting us and we don't see it. But with the world around us, uh, we need to, to ask for that extra, extra protection. I, I said I, at the very beginning, I said, I think I know the answer, but your favorite Chag? Is it Pesach? I can't tell you it's Pesach. I was named, I'm named after my grandmother, whose name was Pesel. And I guess the closest thing was Pesach, the favorite Chag. Most people tell me Pesach, by the way. Whether it's religious or not, I always ask people this question. Most people give me Pesach, but that's okay. I'm curious. You have a different one? I, I have a favorite. I mean, you know, Pesach Seder, Baruch Hashem, with my children and grandchildren, or the first night in Sukkot, when I look around and I make the Shechiyonu, and I have so much thanks to Kodesh Baruch Hu, that I've got children and grandchildren and now a great-grandson. Uh, you can't get, I can't get through the Shechiyonu without tears. Because it means this more, so much more than just the yontif. It means everything Kosh Baruch does done for me and my family. What about you've traveled? Any place that you still like to go that you haven't been to? My wife has a bucket list of where she wants to yeah, go. Yeah, where does she want to go? And, and not important, but my 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 list. If you ask me where, I'm back to the Kaisel. Okay, I hear you. I've been there, Baruch Hashem. But if you ask me one place to go, one place, it's, it's Yushalayim. Irak Kodesh, uh, the Kaisel, uh, the old city. And uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, when I go to Israel, I don't want to say I get stuck, but I end up in Yushalayim with meetings and and, uh, and that's my favorite. Take put me in a car and take me away to show me some of the programs they're doing throughout the country, east, west, north, south. Uh, they're making it. They're affecting things and making an effect. Rabbi Lerner, you should have continued strength and the wisdom and the energy to do what you do. I know that you are you keep going, and I know you never stop. And we in Klal Yisrael, of course, so much appreciate what you do, even though not, not everybody always agrees with everything you're saying. But I don't think anyone ever questions your sincerity and what you do and why you do it. Hatzlocha to you. Thank you for coming on my program. I really, really enjoy it. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Be well. Thank Bye-bye. you. Thank you very Bye-bye. much. Go to Bye-bye. It. Thanks for tuning in to Unrestricted, hosted by Steve Savisky. The show was produced and edited by Gilad Brownstein and is a production of B'nai Zion.